Hi folks, just a quick technical note on today's episode. Uh, during the original recording for this episode, someone, and by someone I mean me, messed up very badly and lost the audio, not only for my uh, own recording, but the backup of that recording. <laughs> so that episode was largely unusable and we are doing a re-recording, uh, which on the plus side means that we have Nick here with us for this one, who wasn't in our, our original Lost for the Ages recording of the finale for the book here. Uh, and I will do a little audio splicing in of some of Dan and Keeley's thoughts from that Lost episode. So I'll try to flag those. And if you hear anything that sounds a little odd in, in the course of the conversation this week, like perhaps it was recorded at a different time and date and, and spliced in here, that'll be the reason. So uh, thanks for bearing with me on that. The Wheel of Time turns and podcasts come and go. Welcome to Wattcast, a Wheel of Time book and watch club. We are reading through Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series and watching Amazon's Wheel of Time TV show. I'm Caleb Wimble, and with me are Dan Katinsky. Hey, everyone. Keely Frank. Hello. And Nick Wicks. Hello. You can find us at wattcast.net and support the show at patreon.com slash wattcast. Your support means a lot. Even $2 at the Two Rivers tier helps. If you join us... For $5 at the Tar Volunteer, you will instantly get access to special bonus episodes where we talk uh, with special guests about other fantasy and science fiction series and films. Most recently, we've recorded a monster of an episode on Stranger Things and especially the recently aired fourth season and finale. If you sign up, you can you can uh, get access to that, just like uh, this week did Andrew, who joined at the Tar Volunteer, is now a member of the White Tower and now has access to those wonderful bonus episodes. So thank you, Andrew, so much for your support. It is very much appreciated. Anyone can email us questions, comments, and corrections via contact at wadcast.net with the subject line questions. We'll answer them here on the show. Today, we are continuing and wrapping up book three of the series, The Dragon Reborn, with the final five chapters, chapters 51 to 56. Actually, that is six chapters, but you get the gist either way. In these chapters, to try to summarize a lot of events as briefly as possible, uh, Juelin Sandar tells Nynaeve that he's found the Black Sisters, but winds up leading Nynaeve, Egwene, and Elaine into a trap. They are captured and shielded by the Black Aja, badly, uh, badly beaten and buffeted by the power in the course of this. And, and it seems like Sandar, you know, like he's like repeatedly pleading that, you know, he had no choice, he had to, he had, had to do it. They are taken off, presumably, to the Stone of Terror for capture. Then we move on to finding uh, that Matt uh, is bringing Tom through the city. Uh, their search is growing frantic through the rain and Tom is getting sick. Matt brings him to Mother Gwenna, the healer, the wise woman who took in Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine, as it would happen. Uh, and she, she sort of recognizes Matt, that's being from the two rivers, by his accent. And uh, they're able to make that connection, and she sends them uh, to her the, to, towards the Stone of Terror for rescue. Uh, meanwhile, Moraine believes that Rand is in Terror. Perrin and Fayil become trapped in the dream world of Teleron Riyadh in a trap meant for Moraine that Fayil walks into in Moraine's chambers. Moraine is all set to leave Fayil to her fate because the fate of the world is at stake, and she and Moraine cannot afford to be trapped herself. In this, doesn't think there's any way to help her, but Perrin says, fuck that, and, uh, and leaps into the trap trying to save Fayil. 
Meanwhile, Matt studies a stone of terror from the rooftop, sneaking in at night, where he encounters not only Jewel and Sandar, the thief taker who is trying to, uh, you know, undo what he has done and feels racked with guilt for uh, the capture of Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve. He's also trying to get in there to rescue them, but also a small army of Aiel, uh, and we, uh, who Matt, you know, meets here, and there's a tent standoff with, and they all sort of agree to tacitly help one another in this massive staged break-in during which matt winds up detonating a load of fireworks much to his surprise he just meant to create a noisy distraction but invents uh invents like explosives and uh and siege weaponry tears apart part of the wall makes it into the stone fighting breaks out there is chaos everywhere as Perrin in wolf form fights his way through the stone of tear in wolf dream pursuing Fael in a like trapped falcon form that, that she is uh, uh chained up and repeatedly disappearing within Teleron Riyadh Rand is inside the inside the stone he reaches the heart of the stone and faces Belal the forsaken who tries to bait him into taking the sword uh and after which he is going to kill Rand and take the sword but Moraine shows up and completely rids the world of Bilal with a uh, balefire, the forbidden art that she has been seeking and mastered throughout the uh, the course of her travels and, and research. Then none other than Balsamon shows up in huge, like black and cloud form. Rand takes Kalandor, barely manages to stop from being stop, like deflect Balsamon's attack and fights back with this, uh, this, you know, like this, this mythic weapon, the Sangriol, chases Balsamon into the dream world while these battles are breaking out, and Egwene manages in the dream world to turn the tables on the Black Aja and shield them all and cut uh, and, and return to the physical world where Matt frees her and the others from their prison cell. All of this culminating with Rand pursuing and defeating Balsamon, apparently once and for all, leaving a shriveled body, which we briefly see as, as a very human figure with a you know description perhaps matching the figure we saw in the TV show at the end of season one in the finale that, that, uh, that Rand encountered there. Rand believes he has defeated the actual Dark One. Everyone else is skeptical of this, that the Dark One would leave a physical body behind. And in the aftermath, we receive a letter from Lanfear, the Forsaken, claiming Rand as her own and under her protection, that no one else is to touch him because, because he is hers alone. And the entire city of Terror declares for, for Rand uh, and, uh, after everyone in their dreams that night sees all this go down at the Stone of Terror and sees him defeat uh, and destroy Balsamon with, uh, with, you know, like having pulled the sword from the stone, the, oh, the prophecy coming to bear, and the Aiel revealing themselves to be the people of the dragon, according to their own legend, or the children of the dragon. I get them mixed up because those me, those are two different groups of people in the, in the course of the, these books, and, and all of that is proclaimed throughout the streets. Uh, hell of a lot happening. Uh, and at this point, I will splice in uh, Keeley and Dan's initial thoughts from our from our mostly lost recording of the last episode, uh, and we'll, we'll get their their high level views of what went here now. <laughs> I honestly, I felt like this was a step backwards from the second book's finale. Um, it just doesn't work for me, and I was a little disappointed. I felt like a lot of this book felt like putting the pieces into place for subsequent books and it could it doesn't really stand well as its own book uh, i felt like lessons that were learned by jordan and improved upon with book two the great hunt i think they're reset a little bit and this one mimics the first book in ways that i was not happy with um 
We spent a good deal of the book just traveling again, lots of end ship scenes, and then a very quick wrap up that almost feels like the way the TV show acted. It was like speeding towards like a finale and everything got wrapped up very quickly and there's a lot of like chaos and just like, I don't know, there was not a lot of payoff because there wasn't a lot of buildup. It kind of felt like he got to a certain point, like this set of chapters, like 50, um, around like 50 and 51 is like, oh shoot, I gotta like wrap this book up, so let's start the action, get things rolling. So I, I don't know. There's some things I liked. Some of the characters definitely got more dynamic this book round, so I do appreciate that. Um, some of the action is fun. Uh, I liked and also didn't like Perrin going into the dream sequence. I, I liked that he showed a lot of care for this person, that it kind of revealed some of his true feelings. Also made Maureen look like a dick. Um, but I appreciate that, like, like it was like a tender moment, him finally being able to rescue her after trying to, like, go through a bunch of dream sequences. Um, but the, all the same time, I don't really know what that represented, aside from giving Perrin his own way to wrap up, the, like, be in the climax without being in the climax. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And then my least favorite thing overall was just Beelzeman showing up, because he does that every book, and then there's a climatic showdown where he goes, where Perrin, or not Perrin, where uh, Ran always goes into his, like, final Goku form, and then takes him on. It's like, Jordan, you really gotta come <laughs> up with some new stuff here. I'm getting tired of, like, Beelzeman appears out of nowhere, Moraine gets knocked to the side, yeah. and we do this climatic, like, showdown battle. Oh, and then Ran believes he's dead again, and then Moraine's like, no, 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 <laughs> how many times have we been through this? He's not dead. And they're like, oh, no, this person was this person who was actually this person who's the Dark Lord, so you have 20 layers to get to the Dark Lord, and he's never defeated till the 13th book, so... I don't know. I'm really, I, I was very disappointed with the last few chapters and it did not get me excited for book four. Yeah, I also was kind of disappointed. Um, I and I feel like I ended this book with more questions than answers. Um, I guess I'll start with my favorite part of these chapters was Loyal being like really assertive and like, I'll fucking kill anyone that comes near you, Perrin. Like, I yeah, I really enjoyed that whole yeah. part. Um but yeah, I totally agree with you about Tom. Like one of my favorite parts of like this whole book was the the Tom Matt di- dynamic. And then it gets to where like everything happening, and it's like, oh, Tom's sick, he can't come. Like that was, that was lame. Um, I did enjoy though, the, kind of like the comedic aspect of Matt fighting with uh, Julian, where it was just like at one point he like moved the um the giant like stick that he's carrying and he knocked out like a dude that was coming up behind him I was like okay I kind of enjoyed like the comedic aspect of that um I think I do enjoy Sandar's character um but yeah he's fun yeah but it it, it was just like I agree with you it's like how did Moraine magically show up why was it so easy for them to get in and then it it I didn't totally understand where everyone was physically inside the building because it seemed like Matt and Egwene and them didn't hear anything that was happening with Rand and Moraine and for some reason in my head that would have been like really loud but they didn't hear any of that and then like Rand makes no mention of hearing like an explosion when Matt threw the fireworks in and like blew that up so I didn't it was hard for me to kind of like visualize where everyone was um yeah and then I didn't totally understand what the hedgehog Terangriel did like did it actually make her a falcon I, I didn't fucking understand what what that totally did um and then I think uh 
I think some of the, the quotes would work better in a show or movie because I absolutely hated Rand saying, I'm the hunter now. It's like, oh, fuck off, dude. Like, I, I absolutely hated that. <laughs> um, and then also Perrin calling uh, File or Fail, whatever, uh, like my Falcon. It's like, oh, I, I'd hate this. Like, I, I didn't, I don't like their relationship. I don't like how any of that's playing out. So, I, I mean, I've spoiled myself on a lot for different characters, just see, trying to look up to see if I know what's happening. But I didn't enjoy their relationship there. Um, I think, though, I did enjoy the fact that uh, Lanfear, whatever, sent the letter and was basically like, you know, I'm this uber powerful person. I am like Rand is mine. Like, I did kind of enjoy that whole setup of like sending this letter to Moraine and being like, bitch, you <laughs> you just make sure he doesn't die, but he's mine. Um, yeah, but I, I just kind of agree with what you guys said. Like, it felt so fast. The last, like, there was so much action. It was like, how can we get these characters that haven't talked to each other or have really done anything all together at the same time in the same place? And then having a chapter from Rand's perspective, I just didn't enjoy it. I don't like him being not confident. I don't like him being confident. It's just like, I don't like him being OP. Like, I'm just, I don't know. If Rand dies in the next book, I'm not going to be upset. <laughs> And then we'll jump to uh, Nick here with us live for uh, for <laughs> his big takeaways on these last uh, six chapters of The Dragon Reborn, the end of our OG trilogy here, and sort of, in some ways, the beginning of the bigger story. Yeah, I hope I hope I don't repeat uh, too many thoughts that, that, that you guys have. Yeah, <laughs> not you, six chapters or so are, are pretty fun. Um, there's like some some action scenes that I really liked a lot more than others. Uh, I I always feel like the action scenes with Rand and Balzamon are like kind of funky. Like it's just hard <laughs> to like conceptualize what's happening in them. Even it's like weird because Jordan uses a lot of great descriptive like words and um, settings, but for some reason I just cannot picture what's happening in my in my head. Um, and that was true like at Falm. And that was true here too, and especially here, I think. Um, but then other other action scenes are really fun, and I think really um, are very well done. And it's very easy for me to picture what's happening. I think with the Fael like series of dream like fights, um, those are very descriptive and easy for me to to picture what's happening. Um, so I like I like the the Fael stuff. Um, I think the the Moraine Balefire killing Bilal I always thought was just kind of a little weird. Um, I don't know. I it's like you, Moraine has these like weird outbursts of power where like, all of a sudden she does shit that like she claims that no one in the world is able to do and like has hasn't done for thousands of years and like the the Forsaken mm -hmm. are these powerful crazy uh, opponents who know everything about everyone because they're you know have been around for thousands of years. And somehow she like sneaks up on them and like throws like a little bale fire at them and they're all and they're dead, you know. <laughs> I feel like that that's always that was always kind of a, a weird weird uh, ending for Bilal to me. Who is um, uh, equally surprised by it? He is like shocked to see uh, somebody yeah. shooting bale fire at him, right, and completely unprepared for it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So so that that's a little bit of a disconnect for me. Um, I like I I really love the the mats. Uh, storyline here where he just kind of like falls into saving <laughs> these girls and then uh you know he's going he's he's trying to find them but it's more of like a you know it's the feeling he he puts out is more like i'm gonna go find my younger siblings and i have to like drag them back home and like 
you know, get them out of trouble. And he kind of, like, walks into, like, all these Black Aja, like, blows up the stone here, like, has, like, a, a, you know, causes an, an Aiel, like, uh, invasion of the Stone of Tear and just kind of, like, stumbles his way through the whole the whole series of chapters, um, only to have, like, Nynaeve and, <laughs> and, and uh, what uh, Egwene just, like, give him shit for... Mm-hmm. coming to rescue them um so that's fun for me i really enjoyed that um and then the other the other thing i think um was was just uh Egwene and the the dream series um i think is also you know you, you get start to get to learn a little bit more about teleron riod yeah and what's what's you know there's a lot revealed about what the, what happens what doesn't happen in the dream world uh some stuff that's still a mystery you get to see that they can, someone can be trapped in the dream world, and you can mm-hmm. kill them in, in either real life or the dream world. Um, so, so kind of a lot, yeah, like you said, a lot going on. Uh, those are kind of my high levels. And that Egwene is starting to develop a a budding mastery of the of the dream world of Teleron Riyadh that uh, clearly takes all the Black Aja by surprise and that they don't realize um, even the potential that each time she's kind of like, Stumbling her way through it, but then making uh, very sound inferences and like logical deductions about the like every time she comes here, she's doing like a little bit of experimenting on how things work in the space. And and even here, she's doing some of that in the midst of like completely fucking up all the Black Aja and trapping them in the dream world and shielding them there and then coming back to reality and being ah, nuts. She, she blows up the door in Teleron Riyadh, but that doesn't hold, which leads her to like, uh, she's like, okay, I suspected this, that changes made within the dream world affect people they affect the dreamers within them but they don't affect the physical world in the same way and it seems to be the other way around that the waking world's physicality is what sets what's in the dream world in the long term but that changes you make to it there are kind of impermanent you know they're made of dream stuff they, they don't really carry over so she's sort of in the process of figuring all that out even as she completely takes out all, all the black aja who were there holding them captive though notably about at least half of them wind up escaping i think not the ones that she the ones that she doesn't take captive the ones that were you know busy doing something else when all this went down we know that leandrin is still on the loose at at the end of all this so the the threat is not neutralized and we know that there's still additional black aja within the tower at this point um and yeah the i think it's probably lost for the ages i might be able to salvage a little bit of it but the the matt and nynaeve Egwene, dynamic elaine is kind of you know she's sort of bystanding for it slash just annoyed with everybody i guess but that was something that that you keely and and dan had a lot of thoughts on in, in that mostly lost conversation uh previously and and that not particularly landing well with you although it seems like nobody nobody except me liked the uh the actual pursuit of rand with ballsman i kind of get into the the trippy uh, almost like yeah like tri- trippy descriptions of these indescribable duels of the power in the dreamscapes that don't really conform to anything solid and you never really know for sure what's going on it doesn't really bother me so much though i did agree on lost recording that it sure as hell is repetitive with um with eye of the world especially i think that's something we we we, we all were sort of coming to that the, a lot of the dragon reborn a lot of this book is sort of is is a return to the structure of eye of the world 
but in just executed better this time and in a more interesting ways and with better characterizations of all our two rivers folks like they're becoming more full characters but it can be a little bit of a yeah this is this you know we did basically the same showdown with oh god was it Ag agonor and i forget the name of the other forsaken and balsamon at, at the end of the eye of the world with similarly confusing dynamics that nobody understood on the first read what was going on <laughs> for sure i I don't know. I, I completely agree with Nick about the the power dynamic of Moraine being super powerful one moment and then super weak the next. Like it shifts a lot. And I understand it's because she found this like ancient art that nobody had been anticipating. And she did mm -hmm. rightfully so spend a lot of the last book off screen, apparently working on that. Uh, so that helps a little bit, but at the same time, it just feels a little, the power dynamics are a little wonky with her. Uh, she comes in, destroys this villain that we've just been introduced to. There's been no buildup to this character at all. Uh, so this character doesn't work as a primary antagonist for the book, unfortunately. So, and then he's be. killed off. Yeah. I know, but it's just like this, this book doesn't really have a primary antagonist that's consistent. Mm. It's like, well, there's always Beelzebub, but he's like the background Satan that just is like appears and like taunts yeah, people and yeah. then runs off and, and they kill him every book and he doesn't die. So it's like, it's a recurring Scooby-Doo kind of theme here where it's like, mm -hmm. Moraine comes in, she's, she's powerful <laughs> to a certain point and then she's not. Yeah, and then Ran gets his Goku form, goes after Beelzebub mm -hmm. in the hallucination <laughs> world, and it just feels very episodic because it's like it loses. At least the last book, I thought did a much better job of like a unique setting. It's like by the shore, and it's like you really got a sense of the environment, and there's this invading mm -hmm. force that serves as like another antagonist um, group. Yeah, they've built these antagonists up over multiple chapters, so it felt like accumulation of something. Whereas this one sort of feels like they're traveling a lot, but there's not yeah. really building towards a climax. So the climax Max just appears out of nowhere kind of like the first book to your point about the structures being the same so i don't know it it's polished it's definitely a polished better version of the first book but there's still a lot that just doesn't click for me and yeah and land fear is very present but like but throughout this book i think we've talked about and it seemed i think um maybe keely you had mentioned in in the lost recording that uh that you liked the sort of turn at the end with her here and said but she, she isn't the primary antagonist of the story right like you're saying dan she's kind of like uh She's a big player, but she's not setting herself up as the big bad yet. She's, you know, she's always like moving her chess pieces all over and offering, offering her temptations and all that. So she's the bigger presence throughout, but she's not the one they face at the end. Uh, she's the epilogue. She's the, you get a letter from her letting, letting, <laughs> letting the reader know that, you know, that there are much bigger villains to be defeated in future seasons as with the the shonen analogies that uh, that you were drawing before that style of like yeah we get our count at the end of how many remaining forsaken there are to go through and then the the black eyes and everything leading up to the the true battle with the dark one uh to take place and does does lanfear have multiple names as well because i feel like i keep confusing lanfear the, the character like is it she has she has multiple names and also multiple characters too right mm -hmm. like yes like it was uh Staline was was the Landfear character right and yep. i think there was another another one or two i think that's throwing me off too because when and mm -hmm. then what is can someone refresh me on i'm like spacing in that part of the book because it was a little murky and there's so much happening with the letter being delivered from Landfear. Mm. So to refresh me on the context of that, was it like a servant delivering it to them? And why no. was, is it no, Lanfear delivering? Yeah. Faralane, who's the, the first of Mayan, or however you pronounce it, but she's like the, the mayor or governor of this small Queen, little really, nation. Yeah, yeah. Queen, yeah. 
um, who is, uh, who's royally pissed. She's like annoyed actually, like very actively annoyed to be delivering this message because she's not a servant. And she's like, I'm not used to delivering this. In fact, I don't know why I'm doing it, but there, but there's clearly like something irresistible about whatever Lanfear did and presenting it to her. And she, and, and she comes, comes in here with all this and immediately starts taking an interest in all the political proceedings. Okay. I did. I also, I, Caleb, you, um, to, like teased about this a little bit in your summary, but ran just every time he kills someone, just I killed the dark one, everyone. Game over. We're good. Like <laughs> y'all can go home now. No more dark power and uh, you know poisonous like oil on the on the taint or whatever it's called. You know, mm-hmm. just hilariously like ignorant and uh, I don't know whether it's like I. I hate to love that part of it, or I'd love to hate it, but it's it's something, and it catches my attention. Yeah, that's kind of a problem that I had with him, with Rand, with this one. I mean, I still hate him, but when he, like, he, we spent so much time of him flip-flopping and being like, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm just a farmer, I'm just a shepherd, I can't do, and then, like, at the end, now all of a sudden, he's supposed to be, like, super into it, and he's like, oh, I am the Dragon Reborn, everyone listen to me, and it's like, you haven't earned it. Like, I feel <laughs> I feel like I spent so much time mm-hmm. just being pissed at you that, like, I'm not on board for you to be the dragon. And it was kind of the same for me with um, Moraine using the Balefire. It was like, they've mentioned it off and on a couple times, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like, it, it, again, feels like she doesn't, she hasn't earned the right to use that and for that mm-hmm. to kind of be like a, a plot point or something that we're supposed to care about. Um, because we don't know a lot about it and we don't have anything from her perspective. So like, you know, anytime that we do kind of get her perspective, she's just like pushing Lan away and being kind of an insufferable bitch to everyone. And then now Mm -hmm. she's like, wait, I'm super powerful. But then immediately gets like knocked down by like these dark tentacle thingies that come out after. And so I feel like as much as Jordan is establishing certain characters for me, there are others that are just not clicking for me where I'm like, I don't. I don't think I'm feeling what he is hoping that we'll feel mm-hmm. when we're reading this. Like I wanted Moraine to be OP and then she's OP in this one scene and then immediately gets knocked down. And it's like, Oh, it's still not, it's still not clicking for me with a couple of the characters, but you're right. I did absolutely love uh Lanfear at the end showing that like, uh, I just, I don't know what it is about that whole scene with the letter and what, like what the letter said about being like, you know, Rand is mine. You guys are just kind of babysitting him right now. Yeah. Like <laughs> that to me, she's establishing more of the fact that she is OP and she's reading like she's like 4,000 years old. And it's just like, mm-hmm. like in my head, she's taken the like primordial form that like she's so overpowered and it's just like letting the humans fuck around. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm probably going to be let down by whatever ends up happening <laughs> with her because I have her in my head like that. But yeah, some of it still feels very like choppy and mm-hmm. the pacing is still kind of fucking weird. Yeah, and uh every everybody take a drink, uh, inevitable Lord of the Rings comparison on on the structure of that. I I, I think you're you're right, Keely, we're really missing the um we're we're missing the the buildup that is needed beyond simply being told uh, of it for Moraine returning with this forbidden knowledge. We got that so long ago chapter of her with the with doing the research at the you know the basically the sisters living in exile uh for like in their cottage who have like all these old tomes and everything the two the two brown sisters um 
and we get that she's like on the beginning of her path there and there's the attack from the drag car and then that is basically the last we see of her um on that particular quest for such a long stretch of time before she comes back in at the end of at the end of book two and then uh, you know disappearing in and out of the narrative in, in this one in, in the dragon reborn as she's on the trail of ran we don't have that you know like like gandalf does the thing coming back like way more powerful than ever but it's after he they all think he is uh, after they all think he's dead from the encounter with the balrog and sacrificing himself for for all of them and falling down into the chasm and then literally being sent back by by the uh, the ancient you know uh, creator gods or or angels for the task that is set before him and now has this singular purpose and renewed vision and and uh, a sense of what has to be done like reinfused and reborn basically returning from the dead and that is an incredibly dramatic scene in is it, oh god is it the two towers or return of the king i think it's in the two towers yes when he, when he returns to um returns to, to gimli and aragorn and, and and legolas there we don't really have that corresponding moment for moraine she comes back into it as a cryptic douchebag to ever to everybody as we've talked about in, in the last couple of episodes and just understandably on edge but also just so sharp and and having no time for Perrin or or any of the others uh, and you know not particularly sympathetic though understandable in leaving Fayil behind to her fate to go chase the world we don't we don't get that build and we don't get the 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 subsequent payoff in seeing her use Balefire that we would if if we had more of the lead up to it and a sense of what she would we know that she thinks that she's going to die and that she's on a death mission and but we don't really get that that sense of the cost that she's given um beyond the repeated uh, you know verbal abuses of land that we all hate and the constant threats to to send him against his will to another sister <laughs> um so yeah i guess uh keely did you have a uh, big thoughts on the book or uh, or the trilogy as a whole at this point and, and and to what's coming next now that what given what we know of so much of this expanding as it goes on and jordan initially think he thinking he's writing a trilogy that that by this point he knows for sure is going to be much larger and and sort of rethinking what the series is and what the first three books are and, and what this what this story is is going to be at this point yeah, it seems kind of crazy that he ever thought he could um, <laughs> do it in three books with how much content he had in his head. Um, I think it, his writing is definitely getting a lot stronger. Like compared to the first book, it's so much easier for me to kind of buy into a lot of the setting. Mm -hmm. um, there are some things that I'm just going to have to deal with. Like I hate, I typically hate dream sequences and that's clearly a big part of the books and like the story. So I'm going to have to get used to that. Um, the, the relationships between everyone are getting stronger and I, I am enjoying people kind of becoming more of their own character. Mm -hmm. Um, some of it I still think feels a little weird just because like, you know, we're only each book, it seems like he's really focused on like five or six characters and then the other people that are involved yeah. are just kind of like side. So you don't really get their full story. So I'd be interested to see, you know, are we ever going to get Moraine or land chapters? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> can we hear from them? Uh, I really want there to be more about, um, oh my God, I just blanked on his name. The Ogier. What's his fucking name? Loyal. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I really want there to be more from his perspective and I want us to be able to read what he's writing, like, and then, you know, what mm -hmm. he is seeing happening. Um, Huge shout outs to him in his brief appearance in, in these chapters uh, with uh, yeah, that, that, being like, yeah, 
being super ready to help and do whatever he can so that Perrin can rescue what's her face. Fight like him. I yeah, I really liked that. Um I like kind of where they're going with um Perrin, but the whole it's just the dynamics really between like <laughs> these, you know, stereotypes of male characters and stereotypes of female characters is just mm-hmm. so boring and shitty and like i know that these books a lot of them like like, i think the first couple books came out like pretty rapidly in the early 90s or whenever they first came Mm -hmm. out so i have to remember like he was writing fantasy at that time and so it's not you know 2022 fantasy um but yeah i'm i'm overall really enjoying it um I totally get why it would end up being such like a huge series that people get into. So mm-hmm. I'm for now very like interested to see what's going to happen next and, you know, where these characters are going to go and who is going to develop like what kind of powers and stuff. I do wish and maybe someone did create this at this point, but I do kind of wish that there was um like a log or something based on each book where as they introduce like bad guys someone mm-hmm. could track them so like when they say oh well there's this many of the black aja and so by the end of book three this many are yeah. dead and then by the next book you know because i'm trying to keep track of like how many of the um seal pieces that they have yeah. and then how many of like the forsaken that they've talked about and supposedly killed and so it's just like a lot of things to keep track of and i'm hoping that it's not gonna fall into the well you just weren't paying attention when i you know left one person still out there somewhere like i hope it's not going to fall into that and that did we do we even mention that another seal shows up speaking of that that particular keeping track of everything subject yeah so moraine (laughs) has one and she yeah three are broken the one she has is still intact and how many are there seven seven or nine there's seven total i think there's four left i want to say right okay so one one is Mm -hmm. intact three or four Three are broken, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever one's left. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'll have to... I mean, anytime that I try to look something up, I end up spoiling myself (laughs) one major character, so maybe I won't, but I I do wish that there was a way, an easy way to, like, keep track of all of the characters and, like, where they are in the different books. I know they didn't have, like, a little iconography on every chapter. Mm -hmm. It has, like, seven pictures of a, like, a witch or something and seven pictures of a seal. (laughs) It's just, like, reducing them each time. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, the the closest thing, like, the problem is this thing existed, right, in the 90s and early aughts. Like, as each book came out, you could go and, and, and view everybody tracking those. But now all those websites are updated for like 30 years of spoilers. So you have to definitely use like archive.org and see the Usenet or like dragonmount.com in 1995 or 96 for the middle, or this book is much earlier. This is 90 or 91 or something. So yeah, it's not not a, not a handy tool for this purpose. The, uh, the, the, the dream wiki that Nick talked about of like, you can go through every article and let it knows where, where you are in, in your process of reading the series. I resonated with a lot you were just saying, Keely, and I think to me, the shining lights of this book were the focused points of character development. It's really like this is this is an Egwene book for me, and it's like her chapters that really shine, and those are the ones that I unequivocally like the like the most, and the dynamic of her and 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 Nynaeve and Elaine um, across, and and you know with them meeting the Aiel and all the other folks they meet across this, the ways that they get themselves. Out of all these situations, the plans they make, that's by far my favorite plot line in The Dragon Reborn. And I think because it's most of the novel, I did wind up pretty positive on this one since they had the majority. 
And then, like you said, there's characters we get nothing for, or there's ones we get uh, kind of like stuff that's sometimes there, which is how I feel about Perrin. It's like it's getting there, but it's not there. It's not where I want it to be. And Matt is certainly a huge improvement over over Dagger Matt and prior books, Matt in general, but still still has a lot of growing, a lot of growing to do here to even be like the the Matt that we love in the first season of the TV show that uh, in that it, that that most of us seem to be pretty positive on. Um, what what did you think, Dan, of of where we are at this point in the series? Your Matt comment just got me thinking that it almost feels like Jordan put him into a coma or like the dagger sickness to think about his character and where he wanted to take him. It's like, you're a trash character right now. We're going to make you this, like, we're going to like completely disable you with this like dagger situation and you're going to forget all that and have parts of your memory missing. So they did, they did a character reset essentially with Matt and now he's coming back and getting a personality. So that that's super interesting to think about now, um, especially having watched the first season of the show where he has a lot of personality. I almost feel in retrospect that made him an even worse character in the first book because we had expectations. Mm. So probably would have been a little easier to take in if we hadn't seen the first season of the TV show alongside the first book and beyond. So just thinking about that now. Um, overall, I think... I liked it, but definitely did not have the climax that the second book did. So mm. there's a room for Jordan to get back to form with that. His writing and just the way he describes things and character dynamics are all getting better. Uh, the world is expanding and he's exploring more terrains and environments and uh, characters are coming more to life. So I'm liking all that. It's all getting fleshed out. But this definitely felt like a bridge book. It was like transitioning mm. to the larger world and setting the pieces in place for a more dynamic storyline to come so i don't know i'm not i don't feel like bridge stories hold up very well in the long run they always feel like you're like if you're binging a tv show that you've seen already it's like and you get to those points in the story you're like okay it's like they're setting this mm, yeah. up and waiting for like the payoff so they don't have as much lasting value in this felt like a lot of doing some character resets some location changes and getting them to different points that they need to um, introducing the I.O. in a more formalized manner and kind of talking about their culture a little bit. So a lot of cool pieces all come into play, but mm -hmm. I'm just I'm waiting for that execution to kind of pay off and kind of the new storytelling. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Big uh, big final thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think this is the to me this book is the end of the beginning of the series. Like <laughs> this is the where like he sort of set the stage in my mind. Uh, having read the series before uh, he set the stage in these three books and then like there are so many characters in these books that he's introduced um and like a lot of them end up playing out through the series some of them don't some of them do some you know obviously new ones are introduced um in the future too but i feel like he's established a really solid base here with a good base of characters he's already had some development um, you know, I, I think so. So to me, that's how kind of how I frame it in my head. Any call out lines or anything that we didn't get to? My 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 favorite was that one that uh, you already brought up, Keely. The loyal's no parent. It is not right. File is so free. It is not right to trap her thing. Where we like actually start to see an o no gear getting enraged, which is not something that loyal's done. Like his ears going back and all that, and just his. Um, yeah, his, his sense, his sense of justice and anger and good and general goodness, um, one of my, 
One of my favorite bits, also in the Lost Recording, we, we get a literal you-know-nothing Jon Snow towards Rand, who is the most appropriate person to get it, where Bilal is like laughing at, like Rand lays out his whole theory of what's going what's going on so far and what he thinks that, that he thinks that he's encountered the Dark One and faced off against the Dark One directly and all that. And Bilal is like, is that what you think? Bilal said softly, truly, you know nothing. Uh, and it's very much deserved, even if it's coming from uh, Bilal, who will be <laughs> wiped off the map three paragraphs later. Uh, and yeah, I agree with all, all the table setting is all for sure true. The character introductions, the fact that we have a pretty good lay of the map of our fantasy Europe here at this point. We've 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 got like a whirlwind tour of so many of the kingdoms and factions all the way up to the border of the the you know the northern edge of the world, and then hinting that we're heading towards the eastern edge and the Aiel waste uh, with things to come. But we've gone. There are all these different nations and seeing their interactions and the civil war that's broken out because of the book events and in Karien and we see what's going been going on with Ilion and Ter ruled by a Forsaken and we know Ilion is still ruled by a Forsaken Samael um, who seems to be a much more dangerous one than Bilal uh, Shocker not the one who got wiped out in this book and, and it's wait is it I forget who it's Samael's dark uh, Samael's the one who has the wild hunt right then the dark hounds and everything I think that's him. Uh, and, and Bilal is the one who sent the soulless uh, uh, to, to try and assassinate them in the end. A lot to keep track of, as you said, Killian. Yeah, I thought um, one of them was, um, isn't that like Lord Salmon? Which one is he? <laughs> that I, is Bilal, confusingly. That's him. Lord okay. Sa okay. Lord Salmon, yeah. Uh, even though he has the S name, which sounds like Samael, but Samael is the one in Ilion, which is the country they pass through to get to Terror here, <laughs> where, where the stone is. Um, both sort of wetland nations. All right. Well, uh, if, if that's everybody's final thoughts, then we can go ahead and wrap it up here on the Dragon Reborn and hope that you'll continue to join us as we go into book four, The Shadow Rising. Next time, uh, when we come back after our seasonal break uh, between recordings, we will be reading the prologue and chapters one to 10 of The Shadow Rising in particular. And you can probably anticipate another bonus episode or two between now and then. This episode of Wattcast was produced by yours truly. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Wimble. Dan, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter and Instagram under the handle Pansy Dan. Keely, where can people find you? On Twitter and Instagram at Keely underscore reads. Nick, I got nothing. Once again, uh, <laughs> for, forgot to come here. People, uh, people can find me in uh, Shail Ghoul uh, in the Dark Ones prison. Oh boy, I hope it's not that bad. My AC's broken right now, so oh, feels no. like that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Worst summer for it. Yeah. Remember, you can find us all at Wattcast.net. In, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Wattcast Podcast for new episode updates. Support the show at patreon.com slash Wattcast, as Andrew did. Again, your support means a lot, whether it's $2 at the Two Rivers tier, 5 at the Tar Valentier, or whatever you're able to give. If you're not, you can still support the show uh, by leaving us a five-star review and a few kind words on Apple Podcast or your podcast platform of choice. This helps a lot. It's the number two way we find new listeners. The number one way is if you tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth means the world to us. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And remember, as we've said again and again, this is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time, but this is an ending. Farewell.
Oh, right. Um, okay. Fingers crossed that everything was good on my waveforms <laughs> this, this time. Craig has been recording. We're counting on you, Craig. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thank, thanks, for, uh, thanks for coming in, Nick, and thanks, Keely and Dan, for, for doing this whole shebang twice. Um, but there it are is. You, are you going to, so like when you ask the questions, like what's your favorite quote or whatever, are you just going to cut in our stuff for that? Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, if, it, if I, it's... I had the ones from like Madden, uh, what's his face, the random down to Andrew dude. So, right. like, if there's parts like that, Sandar, if you could just yeah. go through, yeah, we got like Sandar, yeah. Space yeah. I'll do my I best. Like, this... For some reason, my e reader wasn't, is like frozen on the screen right now. So, I pull up oh. my quotes when you asked about it and I couldn't pull up any. And so then I tried to pull up Kobo online and it doesn't have my quotes stored. So, I'm like, fucking whatever. So, I just didn't. Uh. <laughs> Uh, it's all good. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll we'll be able to splice together enough of them between everything in there. This will this will be a monster to edit, but it's a monster oh. of my own cre my own creation. So oh. I can't complain. <laughs> Go beat yourself it'll, it'll up. Teach me in teach me in the future. Well, at, at, at least I have the rest of the season done and like scheduled and going up already. So it's it's yeah. Not so Thank bad. you for doing that. Yeah, no problem. Um, Apparently, it's a world overshot day today. So. It's a world what day? You guys see that on time that is? It tells you it's World Overshoot Day today. Overshoot Day? Like, we've used all the resources that Earth regenerates during your, at this point of the year. Oh, oh God. That's, that's depressing. That's, yeah. <laughs> Along with, I don't know if that or World Hepatitis Day is more, uh, oh my God. more of a downer. <laughs> I know. Just on here. I know. The, the day we like, deserve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, we, we did talk last time, Nick, a little bit about the season, the season break. Um, well, we'll circle back around on that in, in a few weeks to, to see like, what's looking like a viable time. And we're probably going to do, um, this is sorry, repetition for Keely, for Keely and Dan, uh, we'll, we'll do, um, at least one rings of power bonus ode, potentially more than one. Cause it's an Amazon show. So it's going to be airing week to week. I was thinking maybe even we do one after the first, after the premiere episodes, which I think they're doing, you know, the two thing like they did with wheel of time. And then maybe one at the end of it, if folks are up to it, because it seems like we're all watching it and Jerry's watching it and Eric's watching it and might want to come on so we can do yeah. some, uh, some rings of power round table. Um, and then maybe, wait, also what day is that? It doesn't premiere till September. It's a way ways off. Um, uh, yeah, that is a off. yeah. Uh, so that's the more distant future in the near oh, September second. Uh, so it's a uh, it's a month and three days or two or four days from now um, that it's coming back. And then we'll probably we'll also do. And Jerry has also um, expressed interest in in wanting to do um, one on the the Wheel of Time PC game from 1998. Mm -hmm. uh, nice. Which, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're, if you care to play along, Nick, um, the game's about, <laughs> depending how quickly you blaze through, it's around eight hours, but you know, people are also welcome to just watch like the cutscenes and let's play if they want to talk, you know, maybe just try it and talk about it. Maybe even try a multiplayer round or two if we feel like it. Um, but it'd be in interesting to see like what wheel of time was being interpreted at as in, in the nineties, I feel like, and you know, um, the closest thing it got to, to a media adaptation for for the longest time uh, at a very different era of video gaming. So like watching that Hobbit version of the, the USSR that made the Hobbit version, whatever the yeah. hell that was. That's <laughs> like I remember I saw that as a kid and I was like freaked out. Like, what the fuck? It is creepy as hell. The the Smeagol in that one. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a time and a half. 
All right. Well, um, thanks all again. Good talking with everybody. I'm glad we hopefully have this one. Don't forget to put your, put your recordings in. And so hopefully we'll have two layers between those and, and Craig and yeah. Happy weekends, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about the AC, Nick. Stay cool. Oh yeah. No yeah. worries. <laughs>